Hey, welcome. You know what? I'm going to preach because I've missed this. And so um, we'll just have Dylan come back and sing a little bit more later. And hey, we've got two more services today. I think there's two spots left at 1030. And so if you didn't get enough and you want to hear that again, hop online right now, summitmain.org slash register. Come back at 1030. Uh, Or there's, I think, I looked last night. I think there's like 14 spots left for 630. Um, I'm not sure what the message will be like at 6.30 because I haven't preached three times in one day, but we'll see. It could, be, it could get real interesting tonight at 6.30. You may want to sit out on that one for a week. Jeff, we good? I'm not sure what you're doing back there, buddy. It's been a while. Just kidding. Well, good morning. Uh, you can turn to Haggai chapter 2. We're going to continue right along in our series in the book of Haggai. I don't know about you, but I have loved walking through this book um, these last days, these last weeks. And so we're in week five of our series through the book of Haggai. We've got two weeks left after this and as we're walking through now the message. The people have started rebuilding, right? They've started rebuilding the temple, and so we're walking through um, Haggai, encouraging the people, the, some of the discouragement of the people, uh, and all of that through through chapter two. So, uh, so I'm I'm excited to walk through this with you. Um, one thing I read this past week that I wanted to start with is this: it's one thing to get people back to work, right? It's one thing to get people back to work, and it's quite another thing to keep them on the job. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? you're watching online, somebody put yes or something like that in the comment box, right? Because how many of you know it's one thing to get people to work, it's another thing to keep them on the job. I learned something on Friday, okay? Let me tell you what I learned on Friday. I learned why the guys at the rental place were giving me such funny looks last week when I went to to rent a wood splitter for Friday, Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you don't split wood in July. I learned that. Why? It's hot and humid. And and you don't split wood and then stack wood. When I returned it, they they issued me a challenge Friday morning when I'm in the the wood splitter up there. Like, hey, if you get this back by 2 o'clock, you only have to pay for a half day. Let's go, right? <laughs> All right, I'm on this thing. And so got at home, split two and a half trees in about three hours. I took the wood splitter back, came home and had two big piles of wood that I then had to do something with because I thought it was going to downpour yesterday. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. It's going to be sunny and beautiful. You could have stacked that wood and split, it into, split the job into two days. But got it done. And, and, I, and I realized some things. But you know what else I realized? That, that people don't stick around and help till the end when you're splitting wood and stacking wood. <laughs> There's things that come up. There are opportunities that present themselves. This is how bad it was. Bria, my 12-year-old, I'm out there splitting wood, and I turn around, I'm like, where is Bria? And she's coming back up the road. She went for a run <laughs> to get out of splitting wood and stacking wood. That's how bad it was, right? <laughs> I, took, I took the wood splitter back at like 145, 
right? Just made it. They did the price adjustment. The guy in there looked, looked at me. I, I hadn't changed clothes or anything. I'm drenched from head to toe. I've still got sweat like rolling off my face. He's, he looked at me. He said, tell me you didn't split wood today. And I was like, well, what do you want to hear? Like, I mean, look at me, right? I'm covered in, in wood and covered in sweat. And he's like, yeah, we do that in October. And I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds a lot better than doing it right now. Um, I'm from North Carolina, in case you couldn't tell. He said, well, you know what you should say? Tell all those guys that are giving you a hard time about splitting and stacking wood today that at least yours is going to be dry by the time you want to burn it in December. So that's what I was doing. That's why I was doing it. Stop laughing at me. You're my brother. You're supposed to have my back. Okay. Um, but the point is, the point is, right, that, that I lost some help when it, was, when it was tough, right? And have you ever noticed that? That, that, that I think we, and I can't, I can't all encompass we, okay, because I know some of you, I'm looking out, some of you are great starters and you're great finishers, right? But if you notice something that, 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 that for, for many of us, we're good starters, but we're not always the best finishers. We like to start things, we can start projects, but we're not always the best finishers, especially, especially, especially when discouragement comes. Especially when discouragement comes. See, the greatest ability that a person can possess, a, a, a businessman um, uh, quoted this, the greatest ability a person can possess is dependability. How many of you would say amen to that? The greatest ability that someone can possess is dependability, right? That you can count on them, that, you, that they'll be there when they say they're going to be there. See, the building of the temple in Haggai, the rebuilding of the temple was a very special task, for it meant to restore true worship in Jerusalem. Completing the project would please the Lord. It would be a testimony to the unbelieving nations who were watching. And here, in chapter 2, we're going to see that Haggai delivers three more brief messages to encourage the laborers to complete their assignments. And in each message, he, he asked them to look in a specific direction to learn what God wanted them to learn. In this first message, Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, he encourages them to look up. Why? Because God's with us. Because God's with us. That's been a theme throughout this book, that his presence was going to be with them, and that he was going to be with them. Let's read it. Haggai chapter 2, starting verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you? Who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Now, a couple things I want to bring you up to speed on, just to make sure we're tracking, okay? And the first one is this, that, that you see a lot of names there, right? And they're important names, because Haggai wants to emphasize that he's talking to everyone. He's talking to the leadership, Right? He's talking to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the leadership, and then he goes into all, everybody say all, even if you were watching online, you better said all right there, okay, you're right here with us, you got it, you got, come on now, come on now, okay, all the remnant of the people, okay, and so he's including everyone in this, he's not just talking to the leaders, 
right? He's not just talking to the people that had it together. He's not just talking. He's talking to everyone, all the remnant of the people. The second thing we've got to recognize, verse 4, excuse me, verse 3, who was left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Haggai's asking the question, right? He's confronting the discouragement head on because there would have been people that were older that would have seen this temple in its heyday, in the days of Solomon, when things were, were beautiful, when it, was, when it was hopping with people, and the, and, and, and the reality was, how do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? What they were rebuilding was nothing compared to the day of Solomon. They couldn't recreate that. They couldn't recreate the, the former glory of this temple. <clears throat> they couldn't recreate it. And so that's where the discouragement came from. All right, we've got to keep reading. Got to keep reading. Verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you. There it is, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 5. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the, earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now there's some things I want you to pick up on before we go to, to my five points in an invitation. I've graduated a little bit in the last 16 weeks. It's no longer three points in an invitation. We're now five points in an invitation. All right, but we're going to fly through it. But there's a couple things I want you to notice here that I found super challenging slash encouraging this week. And the first one is this. Look at, look at the, the first word there about halfway through verse 4, that little run-on sentence right there. Work! Work! For I am with you. He says, work, declares the Lord of hosts. And you know why that's interesting? They were discouraged. Why were they discouraged? Just a reminder. It didn't look the way that it looked in times of old, in days of old. They were discouraged by how this thing was coming out. They had a picture of what this was supposed to look like, and it wasn't looking like that. But God says through Haggai, work, declares the Lord, for I am am with you right he calls them to work then later on he says fear not fear not i've got this i've got this and then what does he go on to say i'm gonna fill this house with more glory than in its former day isn't that awesome like like i don't know about you but that excites me right there. And I don't know about you, but it, it stirs in me something. It stirs in me something, church, to see that he was going to shake the nations. He was going to shake the people. He was going to shake the church. Oh, man. Sometimes, sometimes, Rob, sometimes I just pray, God, shake your church. Stir your church. Stir your people. Okay, we're getting to the invitation now. i got to stop. Okay, let's go back. Let's talk a little bit more about the discouragement. Okay, verses 1 through 3. Didn't look, didn't look like it did in his former day. Didn't look like it did in his former glory. Okay? 
the people were discouraged, right, because it didn't look like, rather, rather than ignore the problem of discouragement, as some people like to do, right, I love this, I love this, rather than trying to put lipstick on a bad situation, right, Haggai confronts it head on, he's like, he, he, he looks and says, does this not look as nothing in your eyes, he owns it, right? He owns the discouragement. He owns the awkwardness. He, he owns that this, that this is not a comfortable situation for some of them. And he picked an important day to deliver this message. Now, we're going to go to school for just a minute, but I want you to follow along with this because it's fascinating, and it brings this text to life even more as we, as we dig into the significance of this day. Because you see there in the beginning of chapter 2 that Haggai was clear to let us know when this happened. The seventh month, on the, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. This is October 17th. Well, wait a minute, it says 21st. I know, I get it. I'm, a lot of scholars have done a lot of digging, and they say it was October 17th. So I'm going to trust them. You may say October, whatever, right? What's that? Oh, it's your anniversary. Happy anniversary, a couple months early. Remind me. And I, No, I'm just kidding. I know what your anniversary is. That's awesome. October 17th. It was significant because of this. It was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Why was that important? Because this feast was devoted to praising God for the harvest and for remembering Israel's pilgrim days in the wilderness. This, this Feast of Tabernacles was devoted to praising God for the harvest and remembering Israel's pilgrim days in the, heart, in, in the wilderness. And the important thing about this date was it was during this feast that King Solomon had dedicated the original temple. It was during this feast that King Solomon had dedicated the original temple. And Haggai wanted the people that were now rebuilding the temple to think about that, to have that in their minds. The restored building had nothing of the splendor of Solomon's temple, but it was still God's house built according to his plan and for his glory. And he was going to fill the house with his glory. That was something they couldn't build in. And the same ministry that happened back in Solomon's day would be performed at its altars and the same worship presented to the Lord. See, here's the truth in all of this and the discouragement that times change but ministry goes on. Can I hear somebody say amen? I know that's the second time I've done that and I typically don't do that, right? But it's just nice to have some of y'all in here and it not just be Dylan. And so I gotta hear you. And times change. It doesn't feel the same in here as it did 17 weeks ago. I don't know which door I'm supposed to walk out of. And, and the team's done a phenomenal job laying all that out, but I'm, I'm still confused. I know y'all are pointing, but I'm not going to remember that in a little while, okay? But can I tell y'all something? God's done some amazing things in these last 16 weeks. 
There was one week in a 24-hour period that three of our people in Summit met Jesus. That was, that was, oh, man, you want to talk about coffee. You want to talk about espresso. Man, I didn't need any that week. We've, we've brought in money. We've given money, $5,000 to the Bahamas, $10,000 to the Dominican Republic for food and, and support and all of this. Like, like ministry has gone on. And guess what? Ministry still goes on today. It's happening right now. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And so Haggai's saying, listen, even though, even though this looks nothing like it did before, God's got a plan. And He's in control. And He's with you. And He's got you. Because he's writing this and he's calling this and God's doing all of this, right? To remind them of the work, but to show them that the greater things are still to come. Isn't that good? Isn't that so good? So, and then he encourages them in four ways. He encourages them with, with God's presence. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but, but you see there all throughout this, yet yeah, be strong, be strong. All people in the land declares the Lord work for I'm with you. Um, I'm with you declares the Lord of hosts. See, he didn't deny that the temple was as nothing in comparison to what Solomon had built, but that's not what was important. That's not what was important. What was important was that this was God's work and they could depend on him to help them finish it. Haggai said, be strong to the governor, the high priest, and to the people working on the building. And those words would be very significant to them because during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews had the book of Deuteronomy to read with them. Uh, Deuteronomy read to them, excuse me. During this feast, they, they had the book of Deuteronomy read to them. So they heard the record of the three times that Moses told Joshua and the people to be strong. No doubt they also heard and remembered the three times that the Lord told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 to be strong and courageous. And when the King David charged Solomon with the task of building the original temple, three times he told his son to be strong. Here's the point. Be strong wasn't an empty phrase. It was an important part of their history. And it was an important part of their present. See, it's one thing to tell people to be strong and work. It's quite something else to give them a solid foundation for those words of encouragement. Haggai told them why they should be strong and work because the Lord was with them. It was God's presence. The second encouragement we see there, verse 5, is His covenant. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Now a covenant... A covenant is a promise that's binding, right? It's a promise that's binding. It's kind of like a promise plus, right? It's 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 and it and it's um it's it's uh whoo blank um and it's it's meant to be forever, right? It's meant to be forever. When we when we marry, right? When we get married, when I stand before a couple and marry them, right? I don't marry I marry the two of them, right? Okay, and, 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 and when, when that happens, they're making a covenant to each other, a promise plus till death do them part. See, the promise of God's presence with his people is guaranteed by his unchanging word. He references the covenant that I made, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. See, the same spirit who enabled Moses 
and the elders to lead the people would now enable the Jews to finish building the temple. It was A.W. Tozer that said, if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on. And nobody would know the difference. He said that years ago. (laughs) That if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on. And nobody would know the difference. See, Zechariah, who ministered with Haggai, stressed the importance of trusting the Holy Spirit for the strength to do God's will. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but, my, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God's covenant with the people. So not only his presence, his covenant. And then in verse 6, we see a promise. Right, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations so that the treasures of the nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. Skip down to verse 9. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord. See, Haggai looked ahead to a time when Jesus would minister in this temple that they were rebuilding. He looked even farther into the future and saw the end of the ages when God would shake the nations and Jesus would return. See, God not only promised the coming of Jesus and the glory of God in the future, but He also promised peace. And then the last encouragement He gives them is found in verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. See, God encourages them with His provision. God assured them that in spite of a bad economy, In spite of their lack of wealth, he was able to provide all that they needed to do his work. Knowing this, the discouraged people could take courage and finish their work. So what do we do with that? We see a people discouraged. Haggai, under the inspiration of God, through the Holy Spirit, encourages them to finish what they started. Don't give up and go for a run. Finish what you started. Right? Finish what you started. Uh, I was was encouraged recently by thinking and reading about all the places in the Gospels where we see this word. Entered. 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 If you, ever, if you ever want a good study, if you, if, you want to, if you want to do an interesting study, go through the Gospels and look at all of the places and times that Jesus enters. And then you could skip over to, to, ver, to, to Hebrews uh, chapters 1 through 4 and look at, look at the times where God talks about us entering, entering a rest, entering, anyway, that, that, that's not even where we're going right now, but if you, if you want to dive into that, it, it's very fascinating. Here are, some of the, here are some of the places that Jesus entered. Jesus entered Jerusalem. Jesus entered, entered the temple. Uh, Jesus entered on a donkey. Jesus entered the synagogue. Jesus entered the house. Jesus entered the boat. Jesus entered Jericho. Right? Those are some of the places that he entered. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus enters a house of a man. And when Jesus enters the house, 
The things of man must leave. See, I want, I want, I want you to see this. In, in Luke chapter 11, I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit. This isn't going to be on the screen. God just put this on my heart last night and this morning. So this is, this is, this is pretty fresh. And the, I didn't give the guys the heads up to put this on the screen. But just, just follow along. Just listen. It's, it's okay. It's okay. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went, he entered, and reclined at the table. Isn't that just a, let's, let's just think about that for a minute. Right? How awesome would it be, Jesus walking in, reclining at your table? Whew. I wonder if he put his feet up on, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he just, if he just reclined, like, he went and he just, ah, ah, Whoo, cramp, okay, right? I just, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that was like. I gotta stretch. Okay. Reclines at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he didn't wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup of the end of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Jesus just said easy, soft things though. Right? He never offended anybody. He was always just loving. <laughs> you fools! He said. I'm not saying that to you. I'm not calling you. But he says you fools, Right? Did not he who made the outside made the in, make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees. He goes on, he goes on, he goes on. But I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Um, in verse 45 of Luke chapter 11, okay, listen to this. One of the lawyers answered him. Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. In saying these things, you insult us also. See, a man invited Jesus into the house. Jesus entered, reclined, only to be upset after Jesus questioned his traditions. What does this mean for us? Many of us invite Jesus into our midst. Jesus, help me with this. Jesus, walk with me in this. Jesus, I need you in this. But know that when Jesus shows up, things are going to change. And that's where I think we start having an issue. But when Jesus enters the house, the things of man must Leave and see the same churches that cry out for revival every week are often the first to complain when Jesus actually shows up and starts to shake some things and stir some things and move some things. When Jesus turns up, he comes to take over, doesn't he? Not to fit into our programs, not to fit into our routines. And see, people said of Jesus, we've never seen anything like this before. See, let me tell you that when Jesus shows up, when Jesus shows up, things as we know it will change. Things as we know it will change. There will be unusual things. The format of things will change. 
Dylan may sing, I'd be lost without you 50 more times. And see, and see here's, here's the thing I want to tell you this morning. Here's the thing I want to tell you this morning. I'm glad you're back, but we've got to talk about this. That is why religious people don't feel comfortable when Jesus shows up. Because things change. Now, I know... I know, I know, I like my routine, I like my routine, I, ch- I tried to change some things up this morning, 17 weeks ago, I didn't eat breakfast before church, I tried to eat a bar and a protein stick before church this morning, I can't do that again, I'm feeling away right now, I won't, do, I won't change that again, right, I don't like change either, like I get it, but when Jesus shows up, he has to change, there's some things about us, because here's the reality, if we didn't need Jesus to show up, we'd be perfect, nothing would need to change. But I believe the biggest thing we have to realize about ourselves and about rebuilding and all the things that we're talking about now is that we need Jesus. And can I just, can I just say for a second, more than ever. More than ever. What's the church going to look like from here on out? Is this it? Is this it? What is it? And, and what's the reality? We don't know. We don't know. But there is so much encouragement being in Christ because we can conquer, right? The result of Jesus showing up is always blessing, always the transformation of lives, whether we see it or not, whether we see the reality of that or not. See, we, um, the question I have for you this morning is this. As we're rebuilding our lives, as we're looking at our temples, as we're, as we're looking at different things, and my question for us is this. Is Jesus really in our lives? Is Jesus really in our homes? And I know, the, I know the temptation, but, but let's just pause for just a second. I want you to think about this. I want you to ponder this, right? Because the church in Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, right? They're in the house worshiping, and Jesus is outside knocking on the door. Like saying, hey, you guys are in there worshiping me. Can I come join you? Because we may say yes, but here's the question. To go even deeper... Does the fruit match up with the biblical fruit of when Jesus entered homes? If people aren't being, if people's needs aren't being met, if people aren't being attracted to the things of God, if there's if there's no power, if our routine isn't messed up, what's the fruit? What's the fruit of Jesus being alive and active? in our lives. Now, one thing before I read 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 in closing. That doesn't mean that the people still didn't think about that day. That doesn't mean that the people weren't supposed to celebrate what that temple looked like back in the days of Solomon. Right? That didn't mean that that they couldn't sit there and think, oh, 
I miss the day. I miss the day. I miss the day when people did this. When people, you know, I miss the day. I miss the day. But I can be encouraged because God's got a plan for this day and the day forward. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Paul tells Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. The work that God has begun in you has promised. He's made covenant to complete it. To complete it. To the day we meet Him face to face. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Walk with joy at what God is doing. Faithfully. Till completion. Amen? Let's pray. God, today... I thank You for this message. God, I thank You that as we've talked about in this series, You're right on time. Because God, I believe some of these truths that we've heard today, some of these things that we've seen today, we've needed to hear. I've needed to hear. Fear not. Fear not. God, I pray for Your church. God, it is one thing to take caution in this season. It is one thing to take caution in this time. It is a whole nother thing to fear. I pray against a spirit of fear for Your people in this day. In this day. Because God, we can walk in boldness. We can walk in joy at what You're doing as a result of this wilderness. Because God, I believe You're doing something in Your church. I believe You're stirring Your church. I believe You're preparing Your church for something that we don't even know yet. May it be so. God, I pray for the person that just feels like giving up. I pray that they would remember now that You're with them. That You have plans for them. Good things. Good plans. And I pray that they would hold fast to that promise. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, we can face today. This is my prayer for me, for your people, in Jesus' name, amen.